We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here we go. We're back with the Hack It Out Golf Podcast, and we've got Greg Chalmers going to be talking to myself and Lou Stagner tonight about putting. We've got one of the best putters of the Shot Link era in our group, and it's not me. Let's find out if it's Lou or Greg, shall we? Lou, is it you? It is not me, but yeah, you are correct. So in the shot link era of players that have played 200 rounds or more on a strokes gained per shot basis with putting, which in my opinion is definitely the best way to look at it. um, uh, Mr. Chalmers is number three on that list at the moment, which means he is amongst the top five putters to ever play the game. Um, number two and one do we know yeah there's one and two denny mccarthy it was number one uh these were through the end of last year so i don't know if there's any updates Mm -hmm. to this after this season but he had a pretty good lead on brad faxon brad faxon was number two um i wish we would have had some of brad's early years um we only had the tail end of his career 2004 and afterwards but even still then he was a phenomenal putter 2004 and afterwards and you are number three and jesper jesper is number number four um really parnovic why yeah. didn't i okay that, i i was a big parnovic fan and putting wasn't something i would have remembered as a kid thinking oh i'm gonna be like jasper for putting but that's cool really um he was a great yeah I, I, yeah i'm sure I'm, I'm not saying he wasn't it's just not what stands out as a memory of, of, of Jesper. he was such a big personality on so many other things i think that maybe is what i was looking at as a young person rather than have you seen the putts. recent pictures of jasper He's pretty fit still, isn't he? Is that what you no, mean? No, no. Like he's let, he, he had this thing to let his hair grow. Uh, you should just go on Twitter and just right now, stop what you're doing. Everyone, if you're driving, don't do it while you're driving, uh, but go look and see the pictures of Jesper and you're not, Greg, you, I'm sure you've played with him in the past. You're not going to recognize him when you see him. You're going to be like, what, what, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, I saw it, mate. Yeah. He's yeah. super woolly. He, yeah. he actually, his family, I think has one of the most popular reality shows in Sweden. They follow really? him around. He has people come stay at his house. Yeah. And I think his daughter, wow. one of his daughters is a pretty good singer, I think, too. Uh, yeah, he's, they're a pretty talented family. Oh, I thought yeah, I've just bl- seen the picture. Big Tash, curly hair. Yeah, big, he's yeah. Like, he yeah, looks good. Looks it. good. Wasn't yeah. his father like, a movie star comedian. or something? A comedian, yeah. I, I believe so, something. yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, yeah. Jesper is fourth on the list, but our own uh, multi-sport athlete Greg Chalmers is third yes. on the list. Is number four. So we're going to talk about best practices. So we're going to learn a little bit about how Greg practices and how he's practiced over the years, and if that's changed or not, or how that you could apply any of that information to your putting to help you improve your putting. Because you know we talk about distance a lot, and it's it's fashionable at a minute to you know try and hit the ball further, and lots of people have got programs on you know, trying to increase distance, which is obviously highly important. We agree. But sometimes I think in discussion, when people mention that, they think that sometimes that people are saying that you're not meant to practice your putting either, which I always think is quite an interesting interpretation. Do you ever get that feeling a little bit, Luke? I know you're someone who will obviously talk about distance a lot. Um, do you get some people hitting back saying, well, putting, what about practicing putting or not? I, I've definitely had a bit of knockback on things like that when I say, you know, would you rather read it? X further or stop free putting kind of stuff. Yeah, I think you always get pushback on those hypotheticals. And some of those hypotheticals are just they're meant to be they're meant to be fun. But I I often get pushback from people on what they think the most important part of the game is. And um, you know, clearly ball striking is is extremely important to everyone. And typically if you're a 10 handicap and you want to be a scratch player the biggest difference between you as a 10 and a scratch player is going to be ball striking. Um, and so that's typically how you become a very skilled player is to increase your ball striking, but we don't all have unlimited time and unlimited resources to get as good as we want. So I think it's important to understand your skill level in all of the categories, that being off the tee approach play around the green and putting, uh, and see where you're weak. And if you are weak in something like putting, um, that is typically low hanging fruit for, you know, mid handicap type players. And so I can't wait to get into, you know, things that Greg did, because I think there's a lot that is going to be extremely helpful to, uh, to players of every skill level, every skill level. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Greg, let's kick, let's throw you back to when you were young, learning your trade. So pre a pro, you know, as a junior, learning to play golf and and then growing up to being, I'm sure, a very successful amateur golfer before turning pro. Um, putting is something I presume you've always enjoyed and kind of been good at. I can't imagine, I can imagine playing you as a junior would have been more frustrating as playing you as a PGA Tour pro because you must have just hold everything as a kid. Did you, what was your putting like as a kid? Yeah, really, really good. Um, yeah. And like I, the club I grew up at, it had, you sat outside the clubhouse, the 18th green was right next to the clubhouse. You sat on the veranda there, had a Coke, and then right next to the 18th green was the putting green in between the first tee and the 18th green. And that's all we had. We didn't have a driving range. So we would just have putting competitions. And it was about a dozen juniors and off and on, we'd all be there at certain points and we'd play a bunch of games and, and just putt against each other up and down this green um, for hours on end. And it was just fun. It wasn't, it wasn't a job. It wasn't, you know, you're 13 or 14, you know, it was just, it was just competitive fun. Um, and, and I was lucky that, a couple of things I think I was pretty fortunate with. One, everyone kept saying to me, oh, you're a left-hander, you'll be a good putter, um, or you should really? be a good putter. Yeah, yeah, weird. Um, What's that about? I don't know. There's some there's some reason these people, and the, everyone seemed to just tap into, oh, I guess lefties are good. I don't know why. Um, but they kept telling me that. So, okay, okay. I, I'll, I'll believe that. 
Um, I've never heard that one again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, well, it's not based in science. I can guarantee that. Um, <laughs> it's, based in, it's based in Australian myth. Yes, is it? yes. Just a, just a little niche at my golf club. Um, but I have heard it quite. I've heard it a few times. But anyway, and then then it just developed into oh, Greg's good putter. Um, yeah. But yeah, most of the stuff most of the stuff was just um, we never thought about technique. We didn't know much to think about anyway when I was starting out. It was just competitive golf. Um, and then as I got better and better, I started to sort of develop and stuff that we can talk about a little bit, just, you know, five or six things that I tap into that I keep sort of, uh, technically remind myself that I need to keep on top of. Um, and we can get into that and talk about what that is. Yeah. So you did what lots of juniors did as a, you know, as a young player, which is competitive games on the putting green, which is, you know, that, that is definitely the um, staple diet of every junior waiting to get picked up, waiting for the tee. You're out at the golf club all day and the tee's booked up for the next hour or so. So you just go on the putting green, don't you? And right. keep going and going and going until and there's a gap and off we go and play. I would and say then, this uh, too, Mark, sorry to interrupt, but I would say this, if you're a mum or a dad and you, you've got a daughter or a son who plays golf and at the very least, I know that, you know, everyone wants them to get real serious real quick. I think there's got to be, there's got to be an element of joy to this. There's got to be an element of fun and competition is fun. Um, yeah. And so grab your putter and go, pl- go play a game of 18 holes against them. Or, you know, you can, there's a bunch of different games you can play and just go and enjoy a putting competition. It's the easiest thing in the world to do uh, in terms yeah. of practice. And it's really good for your game. Um, yeah, there is a, supposed to be an element rather, you know, block practice is fun, but um, not as much fun as just getting out and enjoying the game when you, particularly when you're a young, young person, a young adult. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as you developed as a golfer, and we'll come to the five things that you're talking about as we go through the pod, like these fundamentals that you kind of probably keep coming back to for all your life almost as a putter, which you'll share with the audience uh, as we go on. Um, As you became more serious and the competition became, well, probably equally as fun because you're a competitive player, but there was more of a serious side to it. You know, you're playing in bigger events and... Those missed putts now, aren't your mates just laughing at you? They're internal, like, beat-ups or whatever. You know, I've missed that part. I could have won that. I missed that part. I could have qualified for that. Did your practice change or did it stay fun or did there become then more elements of technique or elements of block practice? I'm going to hit 106 mm. footers. You know, how did it change as you became a competitive amateur? So even pre-pro. Uh, yeah, volume increased. Uh, okay. and I definitely, yeah. And I definitely got more into, um, 10 feet and in, uh, quite a heavy volume around the hole. Um, and then I just, I was, you know, I was always going to be one of those guys. And I know that was, this probably does makes it difficult for amateurs, but I was going to outwork you, right. As I've spoken about. In the yeah. past. So I did do a lot of volume. Um, we didn't have a lot of training aids in those days. I might, I think I had a mirror. Um, I did a little bit of, you know, tiger's you know, tea gate thing for center contact, or I might've stuck some chewing gum on the face of the putter uh, for yeah. center contact. Cause I had certain biases at certain points, you know, sometimes it had a heel or out of the toe. Um, 
And and there was a lot of it was just about um, I, what I discovered was that I had I had a really good nice rhythm, really nice change in direction. I didn't have to work super hard on that. I know some people have to work on that, uh, but I've got some ways to sort of uh, I, I've, I can teach now people that can uh, improve their rhythm and tempo. Um, there was a lot of it that was just about me getting in there and getting after it, and uh, and and I did it with volume. Um, that would so be out, the uh, yeah yeah. Go ahead. So outworking people, you know, I you're was, out yeah, there yeah. competing and you're thinking, I've not done well enough yeah. this week, this month, the, today, I'm going to get out there and spend more time and increase the volume and hopefully shift the needle that way a little bit. Is, is that yeah, true? and I'll say, I'll say this too, Mark. Like, I look back now and, and I really didn't have to do what I did. Like, the, like give me an example, hole 100 four-footers in a row. Well, yeah. by the time you hit 20 or 30 of them, there's a big train line going in the middle of the hole. Like they, they, they can push and pull them and they go in, right? <laughs> so it really wasn't productive to look back at. Like you could get, you could get it done with less uh, and we can certainly touch on that. Uh, so I look back at some of the things I did and I go, no wonder I've got arthritis in my spine because I was sitting there bent over for hours yeah. on end. Um, yeah. and, and look, there's some of that, that that made sense. But looking back, I'm like, you probably could have done this a bit smarter uh, and still yeah. achieved and the same results. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes in practice, in any part, I know we're talking about putting tonight, but I, I see it with students. Sometimes it's easier just to practice things that you enjoy, isn't it? It's sometimes <laughs> yes. much harder to yes, get out there definitely. and think. And, and even to the extent that it's sometimes easier to look at the things that you're really good at and think, oh, I could get even better at those than maybe look at some of the other aspects. So sometimes it can take away from the whole picture a little bit, can't it? As in, you know, if you, in hindsight now, if you'd have spent less time on that putting green, but enough and more time becoming the strongest golfer you could ever have been, you'd probably roll that clock back and might have done that now because you would have gone ahead of the game with distance and still kept your putt in. And then you would have right. been even more not to take away from what you were. I mean, Greg was a top 50 player in the world. So, you know, it's not as if he wasn't a good player. Um, so as you turn pro, sorry, Lou, you've got a question. I do. I do. I'm curious about the putting green at uh, the, the club you were at when you were a kid. Tell us about it. Was it a giant green? Was there tons of contour? Was it small and flat? What was it, it like? Had a, no, it was, it, was, it was decent size. It was enough to fit. Uh, you know, if it was a tournament green, you could fit, you know, 10 flag placements on it, eight to 10. Okay. Um, but it had, a, it had a level in it, had a tier that went down to a bottom, smaller area. Um, so we're up and down tiers and, and we played a game. We played a lot of a game called 21, which is five points if you make it and one point for nearest and it's first to 21. Um, and, you know, that was, that was just our go-to game as kids. And, you know, it was just, uh, we would, I, I mean, we would be there every day. Well, you just, I yeah. used to run home from school, drop the bags off and drop the books off and jump on my bike and ride my bike to the club. It was just easy. Um, yeah. We just loved doing it. So, yeah. But very, very, I mean, you know, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, how, you know, some people geographically, the, the, my geography at the time, can de- ge- ge- geography can determine success for certain sports. Like there's no chance Lou's going to grow up and be a great cricketer, Right. But yeah. the fact that I had this putting green right outside where we were all the time, it led to me practicing that, you know, because the net where you hit balls was boring. Um, yeah. So that, and it's, that could and lead it's to maybe something. not even, uh, that's a really good point. It's maybe not even that it's the putting green that was there that made you better in the sense of ABC. So, as in, A, am I any good at putting? <laughs> B, Oh look, I'm practicing loads, and then see, I'm good at putting. It, it's it's even the case possibly that it's the opportunity that it gives you. 
Do you see what I mean? As in, yes, Lou could be a great cricketer, not because he isn't good or bad at playing cricket. It's just he hasn't got the opportunity, isn't it? It's the opportunity that gave you as well. Not to say also that it wasn't that it was close and you could go there every day and practice it. But I wonder if you went there two times a week. I would still put money on that you'd probably be as good a putter as you are now because you, you, you know, right. I, we don't, that's all hope. We, we don't know the mm-hmm. answer to that. We don't know the answer to how many putts did you need to hit to be number three in the shot link era as a putter and how many extra putts you hit that actually didn't do anything. Right. Right. It, not, it'd be impossible mm-hmm. to ever do that, but it, right. it's interesting, isn't it? it? It's, it's, it's that that geography is more, it's giving you the opportunity for you to realize that you're just really good at this. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Lou playing cricket too. That's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I, I've been, uh, I've been spending <laughs> no more time. in cricket, Lou. It's not like hockey, <laughs> yeah. bro. I've been spending time with uh, a multi-sport athlete and I, hopefully that rubs off. So Greg, multi-sport oh, athlete. Yeah. I must be due to roll the arm over soon, Mark. Yeah. I, tell you, I don't even know the fun. first thing about cricket. So you one, you'd have to teach me the rules. And I saw a video recently of um they, they said AFL, and I was like, what is Australian rules football league? And I watched a few <laughs> minutes of it. No clue what's going yeah, on there. Massive. So all of these sports, I have no idea in- how they work. It's oh, that game in Oz gets huge viewership, doesn't it? Yeah, that's not, yeah. It, it's uh, Australian rules. I had a golf pro who worked for us at Regent's Park who played professional Aussie rules football. Yeah, yeah. And he went that, out a lot of them for come his over first game yeah. in yeah, front ahead, of a ridiculous amount of people. I can't remember how many people Man. he said, but it was bigger than what we get in the Premier League football. And it was his first game. It's also very nasty, Lou. They're like proper aggressive in that game aren't they yeah it doesn't yeah, surprise are. me i, I see they greg are. in the videos he posts it doesn't surprise me he's got a mean streak i'll do one aussie rules for you <laughs> did he did he have the shirt on and everything oh, oh, yeah. look at yeah. that i'll put go. those arms away mark oh, put the arms yeah. away mate. <laughs> so, uh, listeners at home mark just pulled a couple of chicken wings out yeah. and trying to call he's trying to call them arms I want to go back to you said uh, I thought I heard you say you focused quite a bit on 10 feet and in would, would, would you say uh-huh. that's where you spent the majority of your time yeah yeah okay. and then I, did, I really didn't leave outside uh 10 feet for a long time and then the rest was just speed stuff because I noticed if I practice 20 and 30 footers really you can't really get into hey let's hold a certain amount of these it's more just the quality of the role and, you, and how well the ball is rolling and did it roll past the hole if it doesn't go in? Did it roll with a chance to go in? Um, it's very hard to stand there and, and try and make a certain amount. or But you can do that from sort of 10 to 8, 10 feet and in um, on decent greens. You can you can challenge yourself a little bit and, putt, and practice putting under pressure. And that's where most of your pressure putts are going to be. Um, so, yeah, I did spend a lot of time in that range. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And- um, that's where there's a huge differentiator inside of 12 feet. When you look at the best putters on tour versus players that are, you know, the lower third, lower 20%, um, there's about nine tenths of a shot difference, but over six tenths of that is inside of 12 feet. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, that, that range you're talking about that 20 to 30 foot range for somebody at your level, uh, you're really not going to three putt many of those, but you're not going to make many of those. Um, and so the, I think the, the real opportunity is those lag putts that do become three putt a bull 
um, you know, situations and, and just getting speed control down and then hammering inside of 10 feet. So you figured all of that out before you had shot link and, and math nerds to tell you that was important. So that's uh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. Very lucky. And, uh, yeah. So as you got to tour, as you became, you know, a, a very good player, did your putting practice regimes reflect what you did as a quality amateur or did they change? Because there must've been a slight, difference in because when you play top amateur golf often the courses are in great conditions but you will get more varied uh pitches to play on courses to play on when you play pga tour there are quite there's certain rules they're always trying to keep the greens to certain stimps there's pins are going to be in certain positions there might be um you know you can play courses with bigger slopes bigger drop-offs possibly um did your practice change at all when you got on tour or did you just carry on the regime that you kind of took from a top amateur uh, I probably went, I didn't, I wasn't as crazy on the volume. You just didn't have as much time no. in the day. Yeah. Um, and you've yeah. got other stuff going on that you have to get in. So, uh, you have to sort of figure out, well, you know, is it diminishing point of return here from the hours yeah. you're going to spend that you can't spend doing other things then? Um, yeah. yeah, but I definitely got a little smarter and a little more into, uh, some of the things that, you know, we can touch on one might be center contact, uh, two, okay path of the putter um where do i want my eyes to be where do i putt best and so once we found some training aids to measure some of these things pretty easily um whether it be mirrors on the ground or some path aids and things like that i started to develop more of an idea of okay these are the you know handful of things that i need to keep on top of um and then i can just go putt um, yeah so, so yeah. if anything you became slightly more technical but that yeah. was probably a reflection of the environment around you was getting more and more maybe knowledgeable and technical and you wanted to check that you were doing inadvertent commas maybe the right things i guess it's that right. right and and one of the things i did very well at mark was i i may have been very very technical in my practice but i never once thought about technique when i played a tournament I That's did good. a very, I, I did even a very. Even when you had wobbly days, no, even when, yeah, no, I like that. No, I, I don't like question my putting like I do my long game. I'm confident yeah. in it. And so if I yeah, push or pull that. one, I just keep walking. Um, yeah. And if you talk to, I've spoken to great ball strikers. If they hit it offline, they don't think their swings off. They just go, Oh well, the next one will go straight. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I totally love that. I love that. Yeah. So I did a good see job some of good, Shelby yeah, technique. You do see you some, know? Yeah, you do go. see some good putters go from being so naturally good growing up to then getting having a little bit of a wobble and then just getting way down with trying to fix mm -hmm. things so much in part and where there's certain techniques and things that can apply there's so much which is about feel and delivery you know you, you knowing the line of a part is pointless if you can't hit it at a certain pace over and over again. And I think of someone like Rory McIlroy, when I see him go on his putting journeys, and sometimes I feel like I just want to get him by the, you know, just shake him by the head and just like, you obviously could putt pretty good when you were 14, 13, 15, 16, 17, you know, and like almost the, like getting paralyzed by trying to work this thing out that like you've already mm -hmm. worked out. Um, it's lovely to hear someone who, isn't getting over technical when they're out there performing you're you're basically performing you know you're 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 doing your rehearsal 
and then the show goes on the show's just on and like you almost come off the show and then reflect back almost when you're doing it it's just flowing a little bit more i guess that's that, that's is, my that yeah that's my goal yeah absolutely uh, look the whole point to me you know i would explain to people is the whole point of working on your technique is so you don't have to think about your technique um yeah. and, and so you can just let go and just go part and i do a, one of my favorite drills that i like to do is just, and I actually learned it from Faxon. He was just walking around hitting putts. He wasn't lining anything up. He wasn't looking. He was just rolling his head towards the target and trying to instinctively adjust. You, know, you might pull or push on purpose, um, but it's just a freedom drill. It's just a matter of getting back to just look and go um, yeah. and not worry so much about your technique. Now, granted, you know, you've got to have a decent technique prior to that, but there is a point where you just got to go be a little athletic and a little instinctive and just go ahead and do it. Um, and I've always been pretty decent at that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about some of the things that you do rely on in your putting, some of the best practices that you use still to this day, and maybe let us know when you started doing them, because I can't imagine whatever these practices, well, well, what are some of the, what are some of the best practices before we work out if you did them as a kid or not, what would you say are some of the best practices that you do that keep your putting sharp, um and that you've used through the years and something that the everyday golfer listening could think oh i might go to a putting green and do that i might do that in my living room and check a, an alignment or whatever what are those mm -hmm. things that you're relying on so you don't have to think about it on the course um okay so i start let's start from the ground up um i'm yeah. a bit of a believer in um lower half stability uh okay. so i used to putt a lot with my butt against the wall in the hotel room uh just roll yeah. some balls we'd put my butt against the wall or I'd putt with my eyes closed. I do a lot of that because uh, that, like that's that. good, good for good for speed control. It's good for it yeah. heightens your awareness of how much you're moving. Um, because I'm a, I don't really care. I've putted well with short, oh, sorry, with closed stance, open stance, narrow and wide. I've tried them all. Um, I don't really care as long as it's stable. And so one of the one of the best ways to stay stable, if you think of it, there's an old uh, image of um, it's Arnold Palmer, and he's got both toes turned in. And it's a great yeah. drill for shutdown, shuts down hip, hip movement and hip rotation. Uh, it's a great drill. I don't know if you want to putt like that, but you, you turn both toes in towards the middle and it shuts down hip, hip movement. And I'd use that to, to stay stable. Um, the other pieces to this would be the path of the putter. Obviously, it's very important. Uh, so I work on, uh, you know, either tees in the ground, uh, things in a tiny arc. I like it to turn inside to inside um, on yeah. both ways, the backstroke and follow through. Um, I don't care if you go inside and then down the line as an amateur. I'm okay with that too. Plenty of great putters do that. And I don't care. I don't get into length of stroke. Um, it, it, it's up to you to deliver that ball as hard as you need to hit it. If you want to have a Brant Snedeker style, no problem. Or if you want to have a Lauren Roberts style with a nice big flow to it, no, I've got no problem with either of that. Just find your yeah. style. Um, I'm yeah, a big I, believer. I get, I, do, I get people people who often say, oh, I de-accelerate in my putting, as in not me, as in they hit a bad putt. Oh, de-accelerate. De I just think, oh, come on, let's not be that basic here. You know, I've seen many good players with a good old wind-up little poppy kind of stroke where they're almost just stunning it forwards. Yeah. Um, I like, I absolutely like that. There's so many ways to... Um, get the job done with your stroke isn't there when you come right. into those ideas as in right. long or short long to short those kind of ideas right so lower half stability like that yeah turning those yep. toes in that's a nice little drill people can use um bum against the wall like that yeah. that's something people could do at home isn't it just to try and feel how much their hips are rotating as they swing that putter back and through 
Um, one of the things I see lots of students do when they can't get that lower half, I mean, lower half stability is a feeling-based word. There are plenty of putters who hips do rotate a little mm -hmm. and you'll see their knees move and they're great putters. Um, but you see plenty of putters who have massive hip rotations and their putters just literally all over the place and they're in mm -hmm. one 20-foot pass, one 10-foot short. Um, having that backside against the wall definitely will give them a little bit more feel of keeping stable. But one thing I find with students, I don't know if something you find with students, is when they're just not leaning over enough, they find yes. it so hard to keep that lower half stable because the more upright you are, as soon as you try to get your shoulders moving, basically it just adds that rotation in. Yes, uh, I see a lot of good putters getting much more over the ball than your average amateur who often stands to it a little bit like they stand with their driver. You stand yes. with your driver in a powerful way. You're not going to hit most of your putts with that kind of force. Yeah. I love softening setups off, like rounded backs, just really, you know, just get them really sunken into the ground a bit more than standing Tiger Woods per. And, and Tiger Woods is a great example because his posture with his putting is, is like almost like textbook brilliant looking, but when if you try and get lots of amateurs into that position, I find it just makes them so rigid. I like softening yes. them off with their setups. Is that something you find with students that you work with? Yeah, I've done a bunch of clinics lately where that was one of the things we, we talked about. And it was just getting enough bend from the hips, basically. A lot of them have yeah. lovely little knee flex and they're good there, but then they stand very tall and they get that kind of reach with the arms to get down to the ball. Um, <laughs> I would say to people, just bend from the hips a little bit more until your arms kind of hang naturally. And let's just yeah. see where that is first. Um, and then the length of putter is going to kind of determine how far you can get from the ball. There's a lot of things that can go on there. I see a lot of people who are actually adjusting to the adjusting their setup to the length of the putter rather than adjusting setup and then put the putter in your hands. Um, yeah. That would be Do my you remember sort when of... standard length of putters was 35 inches? I worked in pro shops and every putter was your putters before custom fit and they were just 35 inches. Well, right. I had a 33-inch putter at one point and a 32. It was like 35 inches. I'm literally yeah. holding down by the grip. Um, yeah. That's not so much the case anymore because lots more people do have their putters fit for them, but still not, not quite enough, do they? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So where would you go from low half stability and where, where would you move from there with your fundamentals so then, that you're trying yeah, to check? Yeah, so then I, I, I want square shoulders and square forearms. And obviously, okay. if you're square in the bottom, it's usually easier as you go up the chain, it's usually easier to get those square I found, but I have put a, I have managed to have open feet and, and get in behind it kind of like how Nicholas used to and still have square through those regions uh, upstairs. So you can do it. Um, a lot of what I try and show people is the most important thing is you're somewhat comfortable, you know, yeah. within, within this framework because some people might say, Oh, I hate this stance and it's too wide or it's too narrow. I'm okay. Well, let's get you somewhere that's comfortable. I actually don't care too much about how you hold it right up until the point you can't control the putter, yeah. right? Because I've putted well with three different grips in my life, and I, I, but I can control cool. the putter. You've used three different grips, have you? You've yeah, used I've, used, I've used the standard sort of pistol overlaps, double reverse overlap, overlap. And, yeah, okay. reverse overlap, sorry, and then, and then backhanded. Um, so reverse, really? you've used reverse, so cack handed Was that every distance or just closer? Everywhere. You went reverse? Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I was missing and, everything one one year at the Honda Classic. I missed everything in the first day and a quarter, and then six holes in the round, I'm like, bugger this. And I went I went lower hand, left yeah, uh, right yeah. hand low for me, left hand low, right <laughs> yeah. hand low for me. And yeah. I finished. You went the 13th. right way around. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. did you? Yeah. So you did shift the needle, and that felt that change felt like you shifted the needle. Yes. And it was one of those situations this couldn't possibly get any worse right now. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so let's change something. It just, your mind needs a little bit of stimulation. And what do you know? This worked great. And that worked great for about two months. And then I went back to what I do now. And well, that's interesting. Know, yeah. 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 So, so yeah, get back to basically square in the shoulders and forearms. Um, I'm lucky in a sense, even though I'm this massive six foot one unit, I have midget arms. And so <laughs> I, I like my arms just kind of like T Rex right? arms. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I do. I have these ridiculously short arms, right? And, and so they just kind of hang pretty straight. And then so I just turn the shoulders. Um, I do want your eyes to fall. A lot of people, I need you to get your head kind of down more. A lot of people sit up too upright, like Adam Scott, and their eyes are got to work to look down i'd prefer they were more naturally down um so tilt your head down a little bit get your chin a little closer to your your sternum your chest yeah i like Um, that too and then check your eye line make sure it's a lot of people you don't have enough bend from the hips i need my eyes i work best with the eyes sitting about a ball inside the ball line or the the target line so right on the heel of the putter um yeah is kind of where mine fall just as long as they're not too far over or too far in um and after that, I, I let it flow and I have tendencies. I've got to learn your tendencies, you know, so I, I tend to get too slow on the takeaway and then I get a hit to my stroke. So I work on speeding the takeaway up a little bit. Um, that's just a yeah. couple of things. And then once I do my drills to start it online, putting through tees, you know, put a line on the ground, get a gate drill going. If I can start 10 or 20 in a row through that gate, well, all right, I'm starting it online. Um, yeah. Let's go putt. I put a coin in my pocket and, and I get after it. And how much are you having to adjust from course to course? Because are most of your courses stimmed very similar? So if I imagine when I was playing amateur golf, you know, playing on the like the amateur circuit, you would have very, you know, I would go to a Lynx course one day and it would be dry, and then I'd be a wet parkland the week after, which had a bit of grass on it. So you know, I was constantly in that in those worlds having to get on a putting green, have a practice round to try and adjust myself because I just I distinctly remember playing windy English amateur hillside and like the greens are just like scary you know and I think oh I haven't played many greens like this this year are you guys on tour having that problem or not you're probably are getting a more like do you have to think right this week I'm gonna get on the putting green and get myself adjusted or because oh absolutely the average listener the average listener will be doing that because you know so your average amateurs course they're gonna be you know, their greens will change from week to week from sometimes there'll be a tournament and they'll get them really quick. And then sometimes they'll, you know, there's nothing on. So they, the green keepers just let them go a little bit. How much are you guys on tour having to adjust week to week? Uh, you, no question. We're blessed that most of our greens, particularly on the PGA tour, it's like, you're, it's like you're changing cities, but not venue. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, like it's 11 to 13 on the stem. There, there's, a, there's obviously some areas like give you an example. If we went to Pebble beach tomorrow, uh, and played a tournament there. That's not the week I'm going to choose to try and hold 24 footers in a row. You know, they're bumpy, <laughs> they're poana. Um, yeah. I get more into just rolling the ball, quality rolls, and being patient with the idea that everyone's going to struggle and they're super bumpy. Um, yeah. And then you get Bermuda. Uh, we're lucky a lot of the times with Bermuda, it's not like when I used to go and play in Asia where it is incredibly grainy and you do need to know what you're doing um, when it comes to reading grain. A lot of the grain that we have, it's kind of, I don't know, pseudo grain. It's, they're so fast. It's not really that much in play um, in my experience. Um, so we haven't got to deal with a lot of nasty, like you'd see down in Asia and, you know, the super hot climates of the world. Um, we haven't got to deal with a lot of that. So, but yeah, most of the time, mate, it, it might take you, like if I knew I was going to somewhere that was 
super fast. There's definitely like Memorial has always been Jack's place has always been notoriously quick greens. Yeah, yeah. you get out there Monday and just do an hour extra than you probably would, so that you're not yeah. super surprised. Yeah. Um, I've always found putting in the wind. You touched on wind. I've always found putting one of the hardest things to do. Um, oh, in the wind! I hate it. I yeah. hate it. Super putting windy. was one of my strengths when I played. I didn't have any strengths, but it was stronger than my other weaknesses, if you like. Um, and if the wind blew, I hated it because it leveled me out. It felt like, well, you're just you're just kind of making taking one of my skills away a little bit here now because we right. literally stood there you know, trousers are going and you've got a four foot downwind and you're just thinking, well, it's not about holding it. It's actually about not free putting it because if I get this going, it's going six foot fast. Um, I hated the wind putting. Lynx courses, mm. not Lynx courses, medium wind, get, you know, really uh, rolling greens. I felt like, here we go. I could start putting people to death. The wind gets 30 miles an hour and you just think, oh, come on. Mm. It's, it's brutal. I'm sure yeah. and I'm rubbish at putting today. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you take a lot of boxes, Seth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll miss this cut, guys. If that's what yeah. Pencil me in for a miss cut, guys. I'm good. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Lou, from what you're hearing, let's talk about some am uh, must-dos that they don't do. You being the stat hole of the group. So I'm just instantly thinking one thing I want amateurs to do more, which I don't see students do enough, is the bit that Greg said at the start as a kid. They don't do the games, they don't do the competitive fun, and they don't see the joy in putting. That's something that I try to do with students as one of my biggest things when they're an average golfer, getting them to try and enjoy practicing their putting. Because they literally, so many amateurs will go to the range twice a week and then they hit five putts, get on the first tee, and after they play, and they wonder why their putting wasn't that good. So that's one of the ones I would like amateurs to really try and play games, get putting matches with their mates before they play, and if they go out and practice on a putting green or even on a green without a practice, it would be great. What, what do you see with your gang and stuff that you would like to see them do more of? I think you hit the nail on the head, and that is just simply put more time into practicing your putting. Um, yeah. I think amateurs, they spend the least amount of time on putting with some of them, as you said, no real effort except for a couple minutes before they tee off. And then they miss a few eight footers and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're cursing themselves for, for missing those eight footers when they've put no real time or effort into it. Um, so I, I think that is just such an important piece of the puzzle. And for those of us that live in colder weather climates, um, get yourself a, a good 12 foot green that you can put somewhere in your house, find, find a space and you can work on things indoors throughout the course of the winter. You can do it at night in the, in the evening time, you find 10 or 15 minutes. I think just if you can find 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day to work on some of these fundamentals. And, you know, for me, some of the things I heard from Greg, when he talked through, I think setup is, is very important. And so working with, uh, an instructor, um, Greg, give Greg a shout out. You can find Greg on Skillist app. So if you want to take lessons on putting from one of the best putters that has ever played golf, you can do that. Um, and working with an instructor and figuring out what your setup needs to be, what is going to work for you. And then working on that. Like I have some, some days and where I just simply, 
work on setup. I'm not even hitting a ball. I will, I will just get set up. I'll check in a mirror. I'll have a mirror on the ground. I'll check my eye position to make sure I'm hitting the right spots. I'll back out of that and then I'll go back in and I'll set up again. And that's not very fun. Uh, and I don't do that every day, but, um, to me, in my opinion, it, it can be a really important thing. That's, uh, you know, if you can find five minutes a couple times a week to do that, that can really help to keep things there for you. Um, Greg, when you were doing a lot of the games that you were playing uh, as, as a kid, I get the sense that you were, do, you were out there with one ball um, and just you got there with one ball and you hit a, uh, hit a putt and go find it and hit the next one. And I, I think that's something that amateurs could benefit from. You know, I go to the putting green at the course and I will sometimes see people there and, you know, they have six balls lined up and they're, you know, 15 feet away, 16 feet away from the hole. And they're just banging 16 footers, hundred of them at a, at a time. And I'm thinking that's just, you know, I either want you to do that from, you know, six feet and, and not necessarily block practice that, but do it from closer or work on speed from farther away and do it with one ball. Um, yeah. And I think that that is something that uh, amateurs could get a lot better at. So no, no question, yeah. Luke, no 100%. question. I, I know one of the things prior to me going to the first tee every week um, and on Wednesday prior to the tournament starting, there has to be after you've done any technique work, whether you're checking eye line or checking path of the putter or anything after I've hit 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, whatever I choose. And I'm happy with how the technique feels. I put a coin in my pocket and a ball on the ground, I mark it, I pick it up, I line it up, and I go and play 18 holes of drawbacks or uh, something that is going to be more like what I'm going to see on the golf course. And you're actually working on what am I going to think about when I'm out there? And for me, it's just tempo. Yeah. I just think one-two or tick-tock. I just think of the rhythm of the putter. Um, real simple stuff, but also get into a little bit, touch a little bit on how am I going to be after the putt? Because I have a very good system in place for assessing hey, I rolled that ball right where I wanted to and at the speed I wanted to. It didn't go in, but at least I'm rolling it well today, right? So I'm starting to get a good assessment and building up my confidence rather than nothing went in today, what's wrong? Well, there was nothing wrong. They just didn't go in, you know, True. because the quality of the roll, um, we know that it's, you know, statistically from, you know, as we go away at 10, 20, 30, 40 feet away, the, really the quality of the roll is the only thing you can get into, because it hits one blade of grass early, it's toast. It's, there's not much you can do about it. And so you can start to build some confidence properly rather than just roasting yourself for missing some putts. That's yeah, a really absolutely. good point. And we had um, not that long, I guess maybe eight months ago, nine months ago, we had Sasha McKenzie on here. And one of the things that Sasha talked about in some of the testing that he's done is how much variance there is on the green just from the imperfections on the surface. And uh, I want to say it was, Mark, you can help me remember this. It was 10 or from 10 or 12 feet, you know, 20% of the putts are, are, are simply going to miss because of variance in the surface that is sending yeah, the ball I'll, offline. Um, I would have guessed 20. I think I've seen yeah. that. Yeah. I would have, without looking at it, I was guessing around 20. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was about 20%. And I think the distance was from 10 or 12 feet that he mentioned, but uh, all of the, all of those variations in the green, you can hit a, an amazing putt. And I just saw a video today on that. Um, I forget who it was from. It was from uh, uh, Peter Finch, Peter Finch. Right. Um, and he is on a ramp 
and he has a perfect putter ramp and he's rolling balls from maybe 10, 12 feet away. And he rolls three balls in a row. One goes in the middle, one lips out hard on the left edge and another one misses right. And you can see as they're rolling on the green, you can see them wobble. And it was a good looking green, relative, pretty smooth looking, nice looking green. But you could see them hit some spots and wobble and go off in different directions. So there are days where, you know, the, the odds are just not going to be in your favor and you're going to hit some great putts and they're just going to hit a few blades of grass and they're going to miss. Um, and yeah. so I love your approach, Greg, of, of, you know, no, I hit my start line. Um, I put a good roll on it. It just didn't drop. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I've got yeah. a synthetic putting green in my garden, you know, so it's a pretty good surface. It's not flat. Obviously it's got the undulations, which you'd want, you know, I don't, it's not a snooker table and I've got a ramp and in lockdown, I was making videos of rolling putts you know, to a hole down the ramp and exactly the same thing. You know, I, had, I was doing it with three or five balls and they don't all go in and they certainly don't go in all the same place. And they certainly don't when you added slope. And then they certainly didn't when I brushed my green. So I would do five and then I would brush the green because it's got, you know, it's like a toothbrush. If you imagine you can make it go faster and slower. And as soon as I brushed it, then the, the variation was just loads bigger, which you could think is growth in a day or it could be footprints in a day. So having some realistic ideas of what you are meant to do out there, because it's definitely a killer amongst better players. I think we've all done it, Greg, and I see good players still do it now. And it really upsets me with all the info out there where they come in and just go, oh, I didn't, didn't hold anything, played great, but didn't hold anything today. And well, you hit everything to like 12, 15, 20 foot, which is playing great from the distance you were hitting. But you're not going to, you're going to hold one or two of them. Uh, like you're, you're just not going to hold that many. Oh, mm. I didn't hold any. And the difference for me, you know, they would always say, oh, the difference is it's always down to the putting. That's why they win and I don't. Well, it probably isn't. They're probably averaging three foot closer over the four, four rounds if you actually did the maps on it. And that's why they just got a few better opportunities. Or maybe that week there was just a hot putter. But what can you do against that? But definitely being more realistic about what you can achieve with your putting, I think is something um, lots of amateurs can do because they, or, they definitely, they hold themselves in high standards, don't they? So they don't hold themselves oh, in high standards when they've so, got yes. a driver. They'll yeah. stand on the first tee and giggle that it might go out of bounds and, oh, I'm not, this could go anywhere. So they're happy mm -hmm. to let the ego go when it comes to the driver. But when it comes to the putting, sometimes, not obviously all, but lots of golfers have these above tour standard ideas of what they should be doing. And then they start beating themselves up and you think oh well you're never going to win this game so you're going to spend your life unhappy if that's the standards you're right right holding well i think to, to i think to you, your goal is to try and build some confidence so if you roll a good putt and you roll it down the line you chose at a decent speed but from distance and even from shorter distances sometimes they don't go in but yeah. if you hit a good putt then you've done everything you can do so pat yourself on the back and move on so that's why you're here pros say hey i rolled the ball well today uh, but what we're saying to ourselves is, hey, that'll go in tomorrow or the next day or the next day. I've just got to keep rolling it well and they'll go in um, versus I see a lot of amateurs who are too busy, you know, having a big, strong emotional reaction because it missed. Well, you may have hit a really good putt and it just missed. That's just, we don't have control over it. I'm sorry. You know, that's just yeah, the way it absolutely. is. Absolutely. And then I think the other great thing, and Lou's kind of mentioned it, and I just want to reiterate it as well, is lessons. I mean, I've taught for 
over 20 years and the amount of putting lessons I do compared to driving lessons is just way out of kilter. People just are not really willing. Well, they just don't think they can move the needle much with their putting. They think their putting is just what it is. Do you right. know what I mean? It's they, they often think, well, I am this kind of putter and what really can you do with a stroke that big? Where I've seen huge gains with putters for, for students, just massive gains. Oh, there's no question it's low-hanging fruit. Struggle to read the green and, you know, people who are just not working on pace control, they're holding five footers over and over and over and over again. You think that's great and that's important, but, like, you're having on around so many 30-foot putts because you're like a 16 handicapper and you don't hit the ball that close. Um, and you're free putting a lot of them. Um, definitely having lessons and getting comfortable with some technique that you don't have to then think about too much as you play. So many gains for students. They just don't, there's not enough people out there having putting lessons, in my opinion. Yeah. So here's yeah. the most important question there is. So, someone, uh, I, I'd like to consider myself a, uh, a training aid aficionado. Um, so what is your favorite training aid? for putting and you may say i don't have one you may say i i i just would rather you putt but do you do you have one i have three okay um i, lo- and, oh, I like this uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah i lose let me get, let me get amazon yeah. up like, let's yeah. order <laughs> um and, and i don't get any kickbacks here so this is all just unfiltered uh but this i think is, these are the three best love. ones yep these are this is it so any putting mirror for my eye line and that might only take me 10 putts just checking that my eyes are straight you know, because we live golf, you know, tilted headed, you know, different directions. So I check my eyes are straight and, and then also where I want them on the, on the, in line for the ball. Right. So we're just one ball inside the ball, basically. Um, Then I have an eye line putting. They make a green and yellow. It's green on one side for right-handers and yellow on the other. It's a gate, but it also controls path. You put T's in the ground. It can try, it it ticks all these boxes. It ticks center contact because you can have the both T's, at impact, like Tiger Woods does. So you could, if you hit it out of the heel or the toe, your heel or toe or the other side of the putter will hit the tees, right? It also has an arc back and an arc through if you want, or if you have a bias in certain directions like I do, I make sure I don't arc back too far inside because I tend to drag it inside too far. So I just put the tees on the takeaway on the inside one. And then I have a tendency to exit out to the for my left. So I, I kind of go inside to out towards the left of the hole rather than turning around the corner, which is what I prefer to do. So I put the tees on the outside on the, on the follow through side. And it also rolls between a gate of two tees. So that that's an eye line product. Um, and it's really good, but there's tons of different options there. If you want to do that, I think Vizio make a putting mat. I like the ball to sit on the grass though, personally. Um, I don't really like sitting on top of mats and things like that. I'd rather it was sitting on actual grass and just really yeah. thin piece of whatever. Then my third one, which I just stumbled across through following Luke Donald on Twitter he and his coach invented the puttingboard.com, which is a board where there's basically, think of it like aeroplane wings attached to the shaft. And then your putter runs up and down this board and it's set to the plane of the shaft. It controls face rotation. It controls path of the putter. And it's all dependent on your angle of the shaft, whether or not you're uh, Bryson DeChambeau and super upright. So that'll be a straighter path, obviously versus someone who is way down low with their shaft angle. And now that putter will open and close more and swing on an arc more. Do you see Do you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. So Lou's that, already, he's just ordered. I'm already on the website. But yeah. so <laughs> I, that's one that's hard to travel with. So I, I set that up in my garage and I, if I, you know, I pull in with the groceries. I might just jump on that and hit 20 putts. And I might do that five times a week. 
okay, I've hit 100 more putts. And that kind of, that ticks a lot of boxes for me in terms of path. It may feel really uncomfortable to someone who is either, um, if you want to chase towards the hole and swing down the line rather than swing in an arc, it's probably not going to be, your, you know, your favorite thing. But it is a very good training aid that I've really enjoyed um, to control face and, and, and path of the club. They're my three, top three. Yeah. How many of those three have you just ordered, Lou? Uh, well, the first two. Um, <laughs> you already have. I, 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 sold out. <laughs> I may or may not already have those products. Um, right, right. The, the second one I do not, or the third one, the putting board, I, I do not have that one. And I looked at it um, and um, I, I don't know if I would get that one. Um, okay. I don't know if I would get that one for me. Um, I had uh, you. So your your second device, where you talked about uh, um, a couple of gates that you're going through all, on the backswing mm-hmm. as well, right? So in the backswing, you need to be in a certain area. Is, is that is, does that one have um, um, pegs behind it that you, your putter has to swing through in the backswing? Or yes, is it only, both okay, ways yeah. if you want. Both yes. ways, yeah, yes. both ways. You, it's like it's similar to a Vizio putting mat. Um, right. They're they're quite wide though in their T placement. This is you can change the width very easily. Right. Uh, to be just wider than your putter. Um, I tried to tell people if they're just starting out to not get too, like, it can feel like you're driving between two trucks down a freeway. Um, and so I, I don't want people to really slow down their tempo. You still got to kind of let the putter flow. So that's why I would encourage you just to start, you know, film your stroke and learn your biases or, you know, you can send it to me if you want, but basically learn your biases and then you don't need to have tees on both sides of the putter. Because that can get a little, unless you've got a really great stroke, it can get a little challenging. Yeah, I used to, tees. I had, I had made myself a rail system many, many years ago and it, it followed, it hard followed to the, hard to believe. It, it followed, uh, so it was a putting arc, right? It was a putting arc and um, it was two pieces of wood in, in the arc that I wanted to swing on. Um, and they were maybe two inches tall and they, and my putter would go between them. And it was, you know, it was a good, you know, two feet, three, two and a half feet long. Um, and I could adjust the width of, of these rails. So you've seen putting rails before. These were the entire arc on both sides and I could adjust the width and I could make it really tight so that I had very little room for the putter keep, to move. I keep, I keep waiting and, for you to say, and, it gave me an electric shock every time I hit the wall. I had and, an electric yeah. shock. And then, <laughs> I had a torture system built in. It. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you. It gets that, cold there in the winter, Lou, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if you, you know, if you're using one of those things and, and you, uh, you know, you piss your pants a few times because you've shocked yourself, you are, you're going to learn. You yeah. are going to learn to that path is going to get dialed in <laughs> if you pee yourself a few times. So yeah, that's a great idea. I got to build that in. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't have it. Can't believe you didn't have it. But I used to. I also go. used to. Uh, I would do that, and I would do that a lot without a ball, and I would putt to a metronome. So I would yep. turn a metronome on, and I would I would just do that to a metronome, and just try to keep my putter in between the guide rails, and just got the guide rails tighter as the stroke got a little bit better. So I like good that training. One. That's good training. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah. Really good. Great Absolutely. idea on the electricity. I mean, oh. we're going to hook that up to a car battery and 
<laughs> going to cause some problems. You will, you will concentrate. You will concentrate. Let the punishment begin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. There you go. Um, I mean, I, I'm liking that. I, I mean, for me to take away for everyone listening at home there uh, for Greg, and we'll do more on putting. It's such an in-depth subject. I, we, you know, we've got loads more we can do. And if you want to see us do more or ask Greg some questions about putting, hit us up on our social channels. But for me, fun and do putting more often is just a win-win-win for so many amateurs. The one ball part, I see. So, I mean, yeah, great. I love that. I used to always use one ball when I was putting in what I called a more reality way. So if I, whenever, before I played, I always just took one ball. I even take one ball to a chipping green, to be fair, because I want to hit a chip, walk mm. up, see where it is, go and get it, put it in a different section, chip, walk. Because if you give me a chip and let's say I catch it a little thin or a little fat and you just, if I just have another ball, the next one's perfect. Like it's just, mm-hmm. I just think, well, that's done nothing. Uh, right. That's just achieved nothing. So I even go chipping green, putting green. I'm one ball um, and, and trying to get uh, that more reality into my pre-play uh, practice, which I think more amateurs could do. You definitely, who's listening, everyone listening to this, blog now ask yourself that question do you go on a putting green before you play and just drop three balls down and just like go pop 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 i bet loads of you do um and then the third one for me which is obvious really is lessons just come on don't be afraid to have a lesson if you've had a hundred lessons and you've not had a few of them on putting if you've had 10 lessons in the last two years and not one of them has been putting maybe you are just leaving some real low-hanging fruit on the table um for you to get out there and make some improvements yeah i want to i want to plug greg one more time on that so think of it it, think of it this way um um, greg is one of the top five putters um likely in golf history um certainly in the shot link era imagine justin thomas is a top five ball striker um imagine if you could sign up on skillist and go get uh iron lessons from jt or jim furick or tiger or hideki or paul casey or sergio you can get putting lessons from greg and um trust me as somebody that's gotten to know greg a little bit it is well worth your time so check him out on skillist and let's get after it and it, it, yeah let's get going here so yeah, yeah. Get, thank you mate appreciate get, it and i will tell you this too people. the year that i won strokes game i won stroke games twice right in on the pga tour one of the years i won talking to like to touch on what lou said at the start of this pod i finished 124th on the list so hitting does matter yeah. Um, an awful lot because <laughs> yeah. I was out of bounds. I was putting for par a lot, but I did lead yeah, strokes yeah. game putting. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Have more lessons, have fun, use one ball and don't hit it out of bounds with any club. Is Good probably plan. the big takeaway there. Um, I feel like we need to get either Brad Faxon or the other geezer you said that I don't know the name on. Like we should geezer. have all three of them. <laughs> what kind of word is that? <laughs> we should have yeah. all three of them on the pod having like this like a massive we could just sit back and listen to him Lou. you know like, i odd like pot yeah out uh, so greg and I, I i've started this um down and this Jasper. journey and Jasper, and Jasper, but I, i've started down cool. this journey and greg said he's going to help me with this so greg is right eye dominant which is his lead eye and mm-hmm. denny mccarthy who's uh, also phenomenal he is a lead eye dominant putter um, I've asked Brad Faxon. He is not lead eye dominant. And I asked Bo Hostler, who's also really high up in the list and he is not lead eye dominant. So we're two for two. I'm curious to see if 
the best putters skew more towards being lead eye dominant um, just because it seems like from in close that would be a benefit. I don't know if it is or not. Uh, and Greg and I've talked a little bit about that. Um, so I have to get Greg this list so he can help chase down some of these players. Mm-hmm. I don't have tiger's number, so I can't reach out to tiger directly, but he's yeah, on the list I? of top 20 putters. So yeah, we well, need to find yeah, out. We're pretty good at it. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. We could do when you find out the answer on the list of the people you want to find out, we can do a little pod on it and share it with the world. It'll be quite there. We go. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you guys. As always, that was fun. Let us know how your putting is. Is it any good or not? What do you do to make your putting um, more consistent? Or are you just petrified of it and you run away from the putting green at every given cost? Because uh, I know there are people who do that. If you are one of those people, definitely the lesson option there is a great one for you. You can be saved. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next podcast. Bye.